Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Peter Pittendry and today we reminisce about the good old days. I'm joined by Lerato Malakutu, PR and communication specialist at LeratoMalakutu.com. I had the pleasure of reconnecting with an old school friend and hearing more about her travel adventures and long tenure career as media manager for Cricket South Africa. Please welcome my friend Lerato. Alrighty, um, so we're going live and uh, we're uh, joined by Lerato Malakutu. Um, uh, one of the only people in uh, my early childhood um, that's that's really kind of been in the spotlight for the last 10, 15 years uh, with her <laughs> with her achievements. Um, and uh, Stop yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the last time I saw you. Um, I, I'm I'm very apologetic of this. Uh, I need to start out ahead, but uh, I was watching the cricket with uh, Rogan Schulzer at um, at Wanderers. And uh, it was a pink day, and as most of the fans, um, you know, they 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 have one too many uh, castles in them. So I might have kind of gre- uh, greeted you with a lot of enthusiasm, yeah. um, <laughs> with the alcohol flowing. Remember that quite vividly. Do you? <laughs> no, well, you were I, decent. You. Were oh, was I? Okay, well that's good. I, I apologize <laughs> if I wasn't, but um, I don't know how the rest of the day ended. But when I saw you, you were, you were still okay. Good. We must have met fairly earlier in the morning. <laughs> um, cool, uh, Lerota. I don't know if you want to introduce yourself. Uh, I mean, as briefly or as long as you like. Um, I, I I haven't seen you probably in about ten years. So uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Oh man, I hate this. Okay, well, I'm Lerato Malikudu. Um, my claim to fame is that I, I went to high school with Peter, so, you is know. that your claim to fame? And, and primary school. It was primary school as well, right? It was primary school as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> but no, I made my way out of the trenches of Zanin to Joburg, um, right. where I studied journalism with the aim of being a sports journalist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to cut a long story short, I was a media manager for the Proteus for nearly 10 years, um, traveled the world watching cricket, which is really such a blessing and a, a real dream come true. Mm-hmm. And until last year, I, I decided that, you know what, I'm done with the Proteus. They've broken my heart so many times, <laughs> still no World Cup. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, was, <laughs> I know. I resigned and now I'm sort of, you know, doing a lot of things in the PR, sports PR and comp space. Mm-hmm. a lot of consultancy, um, player management, and a few other things. So, yeah, life's good. You forgot COVID. a very, very important thing that, um, you know, I think the viewers will be very interested in knowing, and I'm sure they do know already, but you were a thriving cricketer on your day. I, remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still have um, one oh, of your, word. not yours, it's my sister's who yes. played with you. Um, one yes. of the, <laughs> the first team tops. Um, <laughs> I so keep funny it as, that as... I found mine the other day as well. Oh, really? Yes. I was I, number I... eight. And... Oh, Those really? were the golden years, eh? Those <laughs> oh, were so the golden you years. You were eight and oh, Leanne yeah. was seven. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I remember um, when I was at school, I got malaria uh, and couldn't play rugby for about six months. Um, and then afterwards, uh, I was never a good cricketer, so I never played cricket, but... I, I scored a couple of your games, um, uh, and and I, I remember those days quite fondly. Um, yeah, watching, oh you know, wow. you know it, it's nice as a big brother to kind of watch your sister play cricket because you kind of, you as I'm sure you would have done as well with your brother. Um, Le- Leanne was just kind of she was my ball machine. We could never really afford one, so she would just chuck balls at me, and and um, she got fairly good. Um, she had a, a 
quite a strong arm and she did uh, really yeah she she it's proper arm proper <laughs> arm yeah. God, but, um, how is she she's doing well uh, she's in yeah. in the UK at the moment um oh, okay. yeah she's she's racked up during the lockdown quite a bit of leave so I think she's got 40 or 50 days leave that she's going to use now and, and come visit us in in South Africa so we've I'm trying to surprise her with a, um, a, I should probably not say this because she'll watch this, but um, Leanne, we're going to surprise you with a road trip down the garden route. So come and join us very quickly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and your brother, how's he doing? All well? Yeah, he's well as well. Um, he sort of commutes between Zanin and Joburg. Um, really? You know, businessman type thing. So he's, he does a lot of things, but he's very well. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, um, I just wanted to touch on uh, something that you mentioned, um, you know, still no World Cup. And uh, <laughs> I say that so nonchalantly and I apologize. It must be a quite a sore um, point for, for you and uh, so many other South Africans. But this thing about, uh, you know, facing adversity, especially now during uh, you know, the world pandemic and, uh, you know, how uh, sort of adversity breeds resilience. And, you know, you, you would have having resigned from uh, you know a nine or ten year career now going into into a startup um, you know how how has that sort of um, been for you and 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 how have you uh, sort of tackled that mammoth task yeah I think you know when I sort of made the decision that I wanted to resign you know I'd sort of reached a point where you know, I was doing it for 10 years and I really wanted to just grow and do other things and, you know, challenge myself a bit more. Mm. So it was hard. I mean, you know, making that jump, you don't even know to what others you're jumping into, but mm. it's just about just taking that step. Um, so, yeah, I, I did it. I think once you do it, you realize you weren't really scared of anything because the challenges will come. But if you're following like your passion and you're, you know, that's sort of what drives you. I mean, half of the time, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> not, not, not more what I'm doing. It's just that I've had to learn so many new things. So, mm. you know, you sort of have this blank canvas and you're doing all these new things. And sometimes you just navigate them like with your eyes closed, but you mm. still get it done. And it's like those small little victories that, you know, give purpose to what, doing, what I'm doing and also give purpose to my decision. Mm. so I mean it's, it's not easy like I mean you some days are harder than most but it's just it's rewarding doing knowing that you know I've pushed myself and I'm growing and I'm really loving life so it's yeah that's, that's sort of how I look at it that's amazing and and speaking about loving life I I, I must share uh I I hope you don't mind, but um, we're obviously, uh, I follow you on, on Instagram and, and I, I had a very similar, I wouldn't say similar experience to you, but I, I proposed to my wife on a hike in uh, Lesotho about two and a half years ago. And uh. I hope that's correct. I'm terrible with, with the timeline, <laughs> but um, I would planned this extravagant hike. Um, we, we spent quite a bit of time in Lesotho before that and, and we had a big race coming up. So I wanted to do a recce of the race so we stayed and we booked into a nice lodge in the area and then we hiked up for the day. And when you do hiking, your fingers swell up quite a bit because of the altitude. So I'd planned, and it's normally on the way down. So I'd planned to hike up to this beautiful waterfall that I'd seen on their website. I did some route finding. I got to the top and the bloody waterfall was dry. 
and um, <laughs> just looked terrible. So, so I thought, okay, look, we'll hike down. There's a nice pool at the bottom and um, I'll kind of, uh, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll go for a swim after this long hike and then I'll, I'll kind of dive in and, and swim up to her and then just propose sporadically that way. Um, I, I recorded the whole thing, but um, I wasn't wearing a shirt on, so I refused to release any of that footage anywhere that anyone can see and judge me. Um, but but um, you had a similar, or not a similar experience, but um, it seemed like you guys were also doing a bit of a, a hike somewhere uh, extravagant. And oh. because I'm interested in travel, <laughs> um, can you share yeah. that with us? Well, we weren't really hiking. We were in Dubai mm -hmm. and sort of went on one of those, like, um, what do you call it? Desert safaris. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I had absolutely no idea and yeah, nearly fell over sand dune. <laughs> but I mean, I think traveling is also one of the things that we really love, like wherever we can, especially South Africa. That's one of our bucket lists now is to really just get deep into South Africa because there's so many gems that, you know, people yes. might highlight the more uh, cheesy areas, but there's so many hidden gems around that. Mm. really really love going to yeah i mean i think a lot of tourists now especially during the 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 lockdown and the, the phased opening of the the tourism sector a lot of the local travelers that might have looked outwards are looking into south africa and our neighboring countries for a lot of travel um my wife and i were very fortunate in 2017 uh, she was doing a community service here in a small little town in, in fixburg um it's about five minutes from the Lesotho border. So there wasn't much to do in Fixburg. Um, sorry for all our friends listening from that area, but it's, it's not an extravagant town. There's, there's, there's one little street that you drive through and off that street, there's like a couple of bakeries. Um, hence me not wanting to take off my, I will show anyone with my shirt off. I love. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we, we, we spent four weekends there the whole year. The rest of the time we just traveled through South Africa. So we did each province. Um, and then we went climbing in Boerfen and we went hiking in the Drakensberg and spent a lot of time in Lesotho and KZN and Limpopo. And I, I took her back to Limpopo and, and um, kind of took her through Zanin. And she was like, wow, okay, now I know what you were talking about when we grew up. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, but, um, you know, the... the that much. It's very different from the Cape. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's And when still... did you move to Cape Town? <laughs> sure. Um, I moved to Cape Town probably about seven or eight years ago. I was... Um, oh. do, you, do you remember Simon? Cock. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope we don't get taken down for you swearing on the podcast. I know. But... <laughs> I, I also was... Should I say it, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, I'm I baited you there. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, Simon and I were cycling... Um, to Hartebeersport Dam, and uh, we were probably about 50, 60 kilometers into the the cycle. We were going from, uh, he, he was staying somewhere in Joburg, and uh, I was sitting behind him, because he's quite a nice big guy to sit behind and break the wind. You don't have to work as hard. And um, I just heard gunshots. So I looked up and there were two guys standing in the road with some sort of handguns, and they were just shooting at us. I was like, what is happening? And um, and yeah, they, they pulled us over, uh, pulled us off the bike, uh, stole all our kind of gear, uh, all our equipment on us. And um, I, I, was, I was shocked. I, oh, I mean, my word. I didn't quite understand what was happening. And then uh, shout out to Justin Conradi. He picked us up. I, I, um, I managed to flag oh, down a wow. car on the highway and, and 
his number I've always known. He was my first, I think he had a cell phone. He was the first person in Unicorn to have a cell phone. So everyone I knew his number because we'd use it to make prank phone calls and whatnot. Um, so I remember that number. Uh, my phone was obviously stolen. So I, I, I didn't even remember my parents' number or anything. So I phoned him and he picked us up. And, and I think like a week later, I'd moved to the Cape. I phoned my boss and I said to look, it's the third or fourth time I've been mugged in, in, in Joburg. I seem to attract this kind of thing. Mm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. So I moved to Cape Town and, and um, moved in with a couple of friends because uh, I only gave them a week's notice. And then, uh, yeah, I stayed in Claremont for a while. And then I traveled in between that. I lived in, in, uh, uh, in Southeast Asia for a while and uh, did some traveling there and then came back to Cape Town. I was here for about six months and then I met my wife and uh, she was doing her community service in, in Lesotho. So I was like, oh, I have to move down now. I mean, I can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I moved to Fixburg and stayed there for a year and traveled and then moved back to Cape Town about two, two and a half, three years ago. Sure, quite yeah. the nomad. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, I, I I've been very fortunate to to travel a little bit, um, and uh, it's it's yeah, it's, it's been great to to especially travel in South Africa and and do a lot of um, Lesotho. Uh, we did a nice big hike through Lesotho while we were there for nine nine ten days. Um, so it's 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 been nice. But sorry, I, inter I interrupted your your story. So um, carry on. Tell tell me more. Wait, oh yes, no, Dubai, <laughs> that we were still at, I thought we'd long past that. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I took you on a tangent there, but you lost we're the back. Of thought. <laughs> yes, no, I finished the story, now well, just back to just, you know, traveling the world, it just opens up your senses and, you know, just gives you such a different perspective. Mm. I think with the cricket, I was also really lucky, you know, especially going to places that are so different to South mm. Africa. I'm sure Southeast Asia is similar, where you know Sri Lanka, India, Bangladesh, those sort of places where it's a completely different world, a completely mm. different way of living. Mm. And yeah, we're really fortunate to experience that. I think you nice. share the same sentiment. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And um, it's always interesting to me when you go into a small community and, and how a South African always seems to pop out of nowhere. I mean, um, <laughs> traveling in remote areas and then you hear an, an accent and you're like, mm, pretty sure that's South African. Uh, did you experience that at all? Definitely. It's, one, it's, it's more in the like Australia's and the UK's because it's, it's just so familiar. You, can, mm. you, you can't really just miss it. So it was always very comforting. But mostly in your sort of first world countries hmm. yeah I'd, I'd never traveled uh, before i mean at school we played rugby in pretoria and Joburg, but before that i think ugh, cape tour was the the last time i'd actually been to cape town <laughs> so, uh, oh my word yeah. imagine you remember that Goodness. and um <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have a particularly nice Cape tour. I was, um, yeah, it, it, <laughs> not fond memories really? of Cape Town. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but I, I decided someone talked me into shaving my head and leaving the top part of my head completely grown like this and then <laughs> on the side. And with the big ears and the big nose, it doesn't work. So I, <laughs> ugh, everyone mocked me and uh, it was terrible. I think I cried most of the Cape Town, but um, that was the last time I've been to Cape Town. So when I uh, finished school, I, I went to the UK and I, I lived there for a couple of years and it was bizarre. I'd, I'd never, you know, growing up in, in Zanin and then my first international flight was to the UK and then kind of just dropped yeah. off there. 
uh, I packed bread in Manchester for a while and uh, I was a bartender and a pastry chef and a whole bunch of odd jobs um, in, in the UK. And uh, it was very interesting and I, I, I loved it, but it was very different. And every trip I had, uh, I could see how, how, how I changed and grown from those experiences. I mean, I'm sure, you know, with you and, you know, having been in the, in the circles that you were in, you could see that in, in both you and the people around you. No, definitely. I mean, if you go back, my first international trip was matric. Uh, I went on Rotary Exchange to okay. Germany. Oh, nice. My sister and went on that. Like, did she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. For six weeks. And it was just, I was bored. I mean, first of all, you get there, it's freezing cold. Um, there's snow, you know, it's completely, I mean, you know, Zanin is, it's, there's no winter in Zanin. No. So it's just completely such a cultural shock. And also, they're not very friendly. So you're sort of <laughs> trying to ask yourself, is it me maybe? Or, you know, so many things. It's just from what they eat and the way they, their mannerisms. And yeah, I think after that, sort of coming back and then going again, maybe a couple of years later, you sort of try to fit in more, you know. I, mm. I didn't really used to explore a lot when we just traveled i guess i worked quite a bit you know people also think that you're on holiday when you're traveling with the team but there's also mm. quite a bit of work but the, the more i did it then the more i sort of got out of my shell you know like if you're in india you know just sort of interact a lot with the locals and just try to be immersed in the culture and it's just yeah that's addictive for me and yes that's why now yeah we we had a, an experience um, myself and um, my ex uh, and two of our South African friends. We were uh, traveling through the south of, of Thailand, and uh, I don't know if I've told this story before, um, so I, I won't go through the whole thing. But essentially, we we were teaching for a while, uh, doing a summer camp. So it's just a short one month uh, teaching stint, and then afterwards you go back to your school where you were teaching. But our contract had finished, and we wanted to stay in the south. So one of the um, Thai teachers at the school said to us, look, he knows of a school about three, four hours away. Uh, grab your bags. We'll take you down there and uh, we'll book you in. We'll set you up with contracts and you can teach there for six months. And it was in uh, Nakonsi Tamarat. It's a, quite a far um, town, quite far south. So we jumped in the car, we left. And then about three and a half, four hours, uh, we started getting a little bit angsty, kind of knocking on the door. Uh, you know, what's happening? We we were in the back of a pickup truck and uh, he just kept driving and driving and driving. So we had his cell phone number. Um, so we phoned him while he was in the car and in broken English, he was like, don't talk to me. Uh, I, there's no job. And we hung up. So we were kind of apprehensive. So we phoned the, the school that we were working at to communicate with him and just figure out what was going on. Cause we were getting a little bit scared. And um, yeah, the, uh, the partner agency phoned us back and said, listen, Apparently, uh, the, the school that you were going to go to, the jobs have fallen through and the guy's quite upset because he was going to get a kickback from it. And, and, and so he's now holding you ransom and he wants us to pay for your no. safe return. And we're like, what? What is happening? And <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad is, is someone, after uh, Taken came out, he was like obsessed with, you know, kids traveling is a no-go. Yeah. They have to be with their parents. So... I don't even think I've told him this story because of, you know, how crazy upset he got. But anyway, um, it was a back and forth between our agents and whatnot. And eventually he stopped. And um, 
uh, I like to, to cook. So I, I, I had a, a Thai wok with me and a, a big Thai cooking knife. So I pulled these things out and I just, like I stood there and I was like, please just let us go with a, a wok oh, and a Lord. knife. And as I held it, <laughs> the people kind of ran past me, escaped and went, not escaped, but just jumped out the back of the, the pickup, ran to the main road. And we kind of just held it there. And then he got the idea, okay, I'm just going to turn around and leave and cut my molasses. So we were standing in the middle of Thailand, no idea where we were. It was a bizarre experience. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> you should write a travel memoir. I'm sure you got a few good, good <laughs> anecdotes there. Most of them I'm too embarrassed to share because it's, it's it, if I have to videograph it, 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 it wouldn't sort of come across too. I was probably about 116 kilograms. I was this giant fat uh, person that just ate, uh, ate fried rice and drank beer. Ate your way through Thailand. <laughs> I definitely ate my way through Thailand. But um, yeah, it was, it was a great, great experience. But it, it taught me so much about travel and, and about the people that you sort of surround yourself with and you know, I, I want to kind of get some insight from you if, if, if you wouldn't mind sharing. South Africa, as I'm sure you would have experienced and, and the people around you, super passionate about their sport. Um, you know, we, we, I, I often sit and watch a game and I'm screaming at the TV and I'm, I'm, I'm like, why aren't you doing it? But, you know, it's, it's completely bizarre that you think that the the players that you you don't actually consider what they're going through and the pressures that they're going through and the work that they have to put in i'm reading a very interesting book called peak um uh, it speaks a lot about sort of um uh the health nutrition recovery and and um and 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 the mindset that goes into to professional sports and and the constant research that's been done but could you speak a little bit more about the the mindset element of it and and what the players go through and and how you kind of have to interface with that because i'm sure that a lot of people just want to talk to international players and see what they're going through and and your relationship with a player still needs to be maintained um, but then there's also this public constantly trying to get information from you uh, how hard was that negotiating that um yeah, I think yeah, it's the one thing for me that, you know, um, I always battled with it because you get to know these guys so well and, mm -hmm. you know, they become your friends. But then you see and you open to all the scrutiny and, like, all the, the, the public, journalists, media, everybody, you know, sort of having a go at them over bad performance, over this, over that. And at the end of the day, you know, they're just humans and... Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you can't ever say to somebody who's an international player that when they go out there, they're not going to try to give their best, you know? Yeah. That, that was like the, um, no, what's the word I'm looking for? A non-negotiable. But you see how hard they work. Flip, mm. you know? Some people, they don't sleep. They have anxiety. They, like I said, they're human. So now that they're on this sort of public platform and like everybody's looking through them like a microscope, it's, it's, it's just tough, you know, and others sort of dealt with it differently, you know. There are others who, you know, don't talk to him, like, on match day or <laughs> give him a few hours after the match before sure. you're going to go talk to them or, you know, and, and then there are others that thrive, like, uh, talking to people and being around people all the time is a good distraction because look, they're so nervous and I just need to get away from my nerves. I'm just talking about pretty, like, preparing for a match before a match yeah and and so 
okay, now, now I lost my train of thought. So, um, help me out. Just sort of the mindset that, that goes into preparing for the game and preparing yeah, for yeah. and separating those two and the demands from the public. And then obviously, you know, they're professional athletes, so they have these demands for themselves as well. And it comes with the territory as well. You know, that's the other thing. Sure. People will say, well, you get you get paid all this money, you international players, so therefore you must not have feelings, therefore you cannot retaliate, therefore you have to be a certain way. But mm. it's very hard. And sometimes, you know, some guys aren't able to be consistent in that. You know, sometimes they'll say you come in after a match and you've just lost and you had like a really crap game and mm. all these fans waiting outside just for an autograph. Mm. And you are just feeling like the pits and the world's closing in on you. But because it's part of your job, you have to get out of that and sign the autograph, smile, take the picture and be happy. But inside, you're just like, oh, I just want to get in my hotel room and close the door and just, you know, wish this feeling away. So I'm aware that was that for me was the most painful thing. I mean, that 2015 World Cup, the heartbreaking one in New Zealand, um, they were all heartbreaking, but that one just broke me because... You know, just coming back into the change room and seeing grown grown men with families crying. Like, mm. it, it was just heartbreaking. But then, what is the word that comes out the next day? Chokers, this, this, that, that, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, that's so unfair, you know? It's, they're human beings. But some will say it comes with the territory. So, you know, you just sort of take it. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and this, this... um has been thrown around for years in South Africa, but I think uh, because there's the people seem to kind of associate the sporting environment with, with, you know, the, the good elements of South Africa and the, um, and and there's so many more, but uh, I myself for, for, for the better part of maybe five, six years after school, I would not miss a, a cricket game. I would not miss a rugby game. Um, I'm a proud shark supporter and always will be. And love. Poor uh, you. Just kidding. <laughs> no, you guys had a good season. I'm so sorry for COVID. Season. You started so well. <laughs> I know, but you know that it just tends to happen with the sharks. I mean, we get injuries <laughs> in the good times, and now there's a pandemic. Shame. Um, but but you know, you you get so attached to the sport that you find pride in because you know I, I traveled with uh, a, I met a, a group of New Zealand and a Canadian um, a couple that were traveling through Cape Town. And uh, they were they were looking for uh, a place to stay for the night, and we we happened to be driving, and they were playing ukulele underneath uh, on Signal Hill under one of the platforms, and we went down and had a, a glass of wine, and we heard them, so we called them over, and they're like, "Yo, we're kind of just backpacking through Africa, looking for a place to stay tonight." So I invited them over, and uh, the the biggest reason I invited them over was because he was a diehard um, New Zealander, uh, rugby fan, and cricket fan. And we had a lot to talk about. So, you know, it's, it's, it's such a common point and such a love and interest for a lot of uh, the South African public. We, we, we tend to attach uh, our, our, our moods and, 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 and mm. passions to the team. I mean, it must be incredibly difficult for, for the guys to, I mean, I'm sure they know that. And, and uh, you, know, you having to, to kind of deal with a lot of that, I mean, how did you kind of get through that? Because I want to talk a little bit more about uh, running. I know you, you, it seems like you oh, got into running uh, quite a I'm bit. I'm back into it, yeah. How are you? Fantastic. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, 
how how they deal with it sure i don't know i mean that's why sometimes you know you do have a lot of um i don't like to say psychologists but you know guys people in the team that they can open up to and mm. sort of be given perspective i mean when you start playing at a, at a young age like 19 20 by the time you're in your 30s you've sort of learned to manage that expectation that you place upon yourself and the whole world places on you. Mm-hmm. So you deal with it so much better. Um, but yeah, I don't think you can ever really learn to deal with criticism. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's in a, if you're human, it's just one of those things. I personally feel that, you know, you, you're never going to be, have that thicker skin to not mm. be able to be affected by it. So you sort of just learn to cope with it and <laughs> move on to the next. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible with it. I go for a run with my wife and she's, um, she does 127 um, half marathons and stuff. And, and I, I, I try and keep up with her, which I don't. And then I end up running with a little puppy. Uh, we have a small toy poodle and then a big uh, standard poodle. So we do a lot of our runs together. So I normally get kept with daycare running with a little poodle and then I'll finish the run and she'll say something like, um, Oh, well done. You, you kind of, uh, it's been only 45 minutes that I've been waiting for you. And I'll be like, Oh, are you criticizing me? <laughs> you know, so, so that's, I mean, I can't imagine dealing with, uh, with some of the yeah, sort of pressures yeah. as a professional athlete. Um, but um, did, did you use uh, running and, and kind of uh, uh, outdoor activities as a, as a release for, for the pressures that you faced? Um, you seem to yes, sort of enjoy I that on, on tour. Definitely. I mean, it's also a little bit of a routine, if I can, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're on your way on tour, you, there are no days the same, you hotel living, it's all these things. But, you know, the running we had a club and you sort of are sharing these things. And obviously you also don't want to eat your way through a country, you know, but it's, it's definitely the best release and also the best way to see a country. Hmm. Yeah. I, I remember I went on a, after I traveled through Southeast Asia, I, I went back, uh, I can't remember when, but I was working for a teacher broad company and, and they sent me on a, a, a two months trip through Thailand, uh, Vietnam and China. And uh, I was staying in, in Thailand and it was so warm. And I tried to set myself goals like run every day and then you can eat the fried rice and you can have the tom yum <laughs> yeah. and the things that you enjoy. Um, now living with a dietitian, that was a completely wrong thing to do because I was eating far too much. So I was never losing weight, but that's a different story. Um, so so I, would, I would plan these runs at like two o'clock in the morning because it was so warm. And uh, Thailand's quite busy and dangerous and there's bikes all over the place. So at two in the morning, the, the tourists have gone to bed. Um, you can still see a couple of them coming out of the, 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 the pubs and whatnot. The bars. <laughs> but the majority of the street vendors are, are done and you can go for runs. And, and it was interesting seeing a completely different part of Thailand, uh, you know, that you'd looked at during the day with all the hustle and bustle. Now the only people with you are sort of stray dogs and, and, and rats and snakes running across the road. Yeah. But um, oh. we also we also got a nice running club together, uh, myself and and three of the other teachers in the area. And every morning we'd wake up at two, go for a run, come back, go for a swim in the ocean, and then sort of grab another couple of hours of sleep, and then start your day off like that. And it was a nice way to yeah. kind of just reset and get a bit of structure because things are changing all the time. Um, how, what are you? Uh, I mean, I know that that your 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 career has been a ten year one. What are the highs and lows of your career? 
Okay, well, I already told you the low. <laughs> 2015 World Cup. That was, that was the, the yeah. worst. For me, yeah, definitely. Um, it's just because I still believe that we're going to win it. Mm. That was like our best team ever. Yeah. Anyways, sorry for another day. Um, no, no, no. I mean, if you want to, if you want to go through that, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I, I'd love to. I, I don't have any sort of backside uh, insight into what it was like as, as, um, you know, spending time I so think close with that need group. Longer than an hour, or so, and maybe <laughs> a stronger beverage. So, see. yeah. Okay. Next well, time. <laughs> next time I'll invite you. You're in Joburg, right? Yeah. Okay. So when we do a wine tasting. Uh, a week ahead of time, I'll send you a bottle of, uh, of of wine and we can share it and the winemaker can take us through that and you can tell us about the, that experience. Exactly, yeah. And bribery. <laughs> um, so a lot of the highs was definitely when the team won the number one mace. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in 2012 and it sort of was such a, the group started off, like we spent a lot of time together, probably three months. You mm-hmm. know, we went to Amsterdam on a camp. We climbed up the Swiss Alps. Like it I was saw so that hard. You did a canyoneering yeah. trip as well. That must yes. have been incredible. Oh, part it was mind blowing. One of the best trips ever. And you know, I got to the UK. You know how the UK press are just putting pressure on the team. Oh, they went there for this. Why? What are they going to do here? And but then like the team was just on another level. Like that was when Hash scored three hundred. And even though there were a lot of other scandals. You know, like with Mark Bush's injury, not yes. a scandal, but tragedy. But KP Peterson on our case. But you know, the wasn't team that really the KP's started... gate or whatever it was called? I can't, can't remember Tick's what was gate. happening. Yeah. And yeah, but at the end, you know, the one that final hour of the last test match at Lords to get the number one test ranked Mace thingy, and yeah, that was. Definitely a roller coaster, but very, very um, like entertaining and definitely a highlight. Mm. And and how difficult is it for you? Because I'm sure that um, you know the, the, I mean, you have the public demand for for players and insight, and and you know, it comes with a, an aspect of confidentiality. I'm someone who could never be in a position like that because I would just share everything. I I, I just I, I have verbal diarrhea, so. Um, how difficult is it to, to sort of maintain those stories and, and, and share? I mean, I'm sure you share with your close um, friends and, and family, um, but, but to not talk about it and, and, and make, um, you know, uh, sort of statements that you, you're not quite sure. Because having <laughs> been with the team for so long, I'm sure there yeah. are things like that. I mean, is it quite difficult no, for you? I've, or you? I've had to learn to bite my tongue. I mean, throughout the, the journey and especially with my career I mean you know being the spokesperson and the media manager you you always filter things I guess mm-hmm. so I've sort of learned to filter things it's, it's actually very easy but I mean if people have good intentions I love sharing stories because mm-hmm. you know I think people just see these guys as these brilliant sports sports people but they're actually brilliant human beings and mm. for me that's the foremost and that's probably why I stayed there for so long because <clears throat> excuse me I was working with amazing human beings and you know those are the stories that I would like to share so people get a bit a better insight in, into them as humans and not just cricketers. Yes yeah I, I remember uh, I think Dale Stane had his first test match uh, or his first game at um, uh, for the Titans and do you remember Mrs. Lee? Yes and we yeah. drove there Yes. 
says. Yeah, and we stayed we stayed in a weird house that yeah. I don't want to say weird, but I, don't, I can't really remember it. But we stayed up all night making signs and um I don't to be back. <laughs> I don't fully remember what happened, but I, I know Mrs. Lee was there and um she she I think she had a connection with Dale. He may have stayed with her for, for a while or, or something. Yes. I, don't, I don't want to speak about yes. that too much, but um, uh, we were lucky enough to just sort of tag along. Mrs. Lee was great. She'd always give us, I remember her husband went to uh, Mexico and came back and he had tequila and uh, we were studying for our final exams and we went over to her house and uh, we were so stressed we couldn't learn and she's like, yeah. yeah have a have have some tequila and just unwind and i mean it was a tiny bit and we were like this yeah. is the best teacher in the yeah. world and you always have cricket on in the, in the classroom yes, it, yeah, was, it, was, yeah. it was amazing and and um you know she was so excited and and we we went and i, I think we had coffee or, or something with him before the first uh, uh before before the game and um it was it was strange like seeing someone who'd worked so hard and and you know been through um, as I'm sure any uh, professional sportsman goes through and then experiencing the sort of things that he's experienced after and, and the accolades and, and the, the amazing yeah. achievements, just, you know, seeing someone uh, go from that to, to an absolute like world-class cricketer. It's interesting. And it puts things into perspective a little bit that um, through hard work and uh, you know, obviously a lot of skill, uh, those kinds of things are achievable, and that, and that was nice to see, especially from a place like Zanin or Palabora. Yeah, uh, it was quite inspiring we'll to see. Him. Palabora doesn't have him, Zanin has him. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what irritates me? I, I I played a little bit of club club cricket, or not club cricket. It was like a it was a Sunday league. We would it was while we were studying, so we were drinking far too much in the evenings and then playing on the Sunday. It wasn't anything good, but I made the yeah. stupid mistake of wearing a Marensky top. Oh, and I went into bat, and I'm 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 fairly sure, and I'll claim this um, from unicorn days as the person who had the most ducks in one season. We played <laughs> we played something like 16 games, and I got 15 ducks. Um, so I was by no means a cricketer, and um, oh, wow. yeah, I was terrible. And now I, I play cr- club cricket, and I went in at eight, and they're like, "Guys, be careful! He's he went to school with Dale. He's I mean, he must <laughs> be an incredible cricketer." <laughs> <laughs> they bowled like two or three balls for me and they're like, okay, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> so I never wore my Marensky top playing any sort of Sunday and, league ever again. Oh man, no oh man. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, hmm. yeah so, yeah, I mean, do you, do you want to share a little bit? I mean, just in starting a new business now, what is it exactly that you're doing? Um, can you, can you share much? I mean, have you gone into, uh, like player management or are you going into more um, PR for big um, organizations associated to, to, to sporting teams? Um, I know you were Yeah, always... you summed it up. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, the niche for me is sports PR. So definitely working with brands um, that are associated to sports teams, but also with federations. Mm-hmm. I've also been doing, you know, some work with... Um, foundations as well so you know helping them get their stuff off the ground mm-hmm. in terms of brands and PR and some and PR of some of the work they do so that's sort of the core business but mm-hmm. um, there's also some player management that I do you know especially so 
the women's team, they don't get a lot of support. So mm. I certainly help a few of them with some of the endorsements and, you know, just brand and, 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 and those sort of things. Um, then, you know, there's a lot, but those are like the core things that I do. Nice. <laughs> and, and if, if, if you could decide on one thing that you wanted to focus all your time on, once you've become established, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it, it's been, what, six, seven months um, since you yeah. started? So, so 10 years Four down months. the line. Um, oh, nice. Uh, so 10 years down the line, what's the, what's the goal? To be a media mogul. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. The, the, can... the goal is to definitely have a massive agency that's got this niche that's, you know, you're world-renowned for sports PR and communications and just, you know, being an industry leader mm-hmm. in event management as well. I mean, we've got so many cool events that are coming in the next few years. British and Irish Lions, we've got the yes. Nepal World Cup, we've got the T20 Women's World Cup. So, you know, those are also platforms that I definitely want to get into and, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, make South Africa great again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you just dropped a Donald Trump on us. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, is there some hidden political ties there with the purple no, no, trying to... Oh, okay, okay. okay. Can I take that back? <laughs> no, of course you can't. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Make South Africa great again. I, I think that um, the, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's so much uh, to c- celebrate in this country. And, and you know, I... I my my wife's uh, in the medical field and she's done a lot of uh, uh, research and, and working internationally and, and I've lived internationally maybe three or four times and for long period, longer periods of time than just holiday and I always 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 when anyone asks me what it like what, what it's like living overseas for extended periods of time it's always we don't know how good we have it in this country I know that people yeah. struggle. Um, and, and, you know, there, there are people far less fortunate than us that, um, you know, I don't know the answer. I always try and ask people that, I mean, if you had a magic wand, what would you do to change the, the, the situation for people a lot less fortunate than us, um, you know, in this country? And the answer, I've never got a satisfying answer because I don't think there is one. I think it's, it's just, there's just a lot of giving back and being, um, uh, being as, as, as caring for, for your fellow um, person around you and your social circles and, and, and just trying to be kind really, um, is, is my Let's answer. Yeah. And, um, and that's why I appreciate this call so much. You've been very kind to take the time to speak to me. <laughs> One day when you're a media mogul, we can go back and we can say the first really terrible, um, interview she ever had was this show. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I can't wait to, I can't wait for that. And we'll have a glass of wine just to toast. Awesome. I'll be sure to send you a bottle of wine as long as you promise to to take me through that um uh the the, the twenty fifteen and the twenty twelve uh, experiences. I'd love to to dig a little bit deeper into that. I will. <laughs> awesome. Um and then lastly, Rata, um I, I have a, a segment in um the podcast that's called um uh, time with uh, Hazi's Mozzies. Um, this is Hazi the, the giraffe. And I absolutely, okay. my pet peeve when I travel is mosquitoes. I hate them. Um, my wife's also very allergic. So whenever she gets bitten, then it's complaints for five hours, oh, rightfully wow. so, because she just swells up and it's terrible. So I try and avoid mosquitoes like anything. 
Um, what's your pet peeve when traveling? Uh, it doesn't have to do with uh, mosquitoes or insects or creepy crawlies. Uh, rude people. I actually think South Africans are very um, friendly, but mm -hmm. most countries, people don't greet, like, let's say you're running, like when I run, I'll greet. So, mm. you know, if people interact, come into the lift or, you know, those sort of weird interactions where people don't actually expect to say hi, or even if you make eye contact, people mm. you make eye contact, like they will just walk past you. And I find that often, obviously, in the UK and Australia, and um, where's the other place that I was going to say, Hong Kong, you know, those, I don't know. It's, and I know it's just the cultural mishap, but mm. I'm so used to it in South Africa that when I go overseas, I always have to like, just, they don't understand. You guys are not from the same cultures, so just get over it. But yeah, that's my <laughs> peeve. <laughs> nice. I, I had an experience in China. I was, uh, I ran onto the train and uh, they, they overpacked the trains. You kind of have to like, when I say I ran onto the train, the doors are open and there are people right up against the doors. So you have to run and jump and then force yeah. yourself into the train. And then the doors are closing, sort of like squishing you in. And um, I made eye contact with this gentleman and he just looked at me and he was like, and he just spat and he spat straight onto my <gasps> foot. I was like, what oh, is happening? No and this was normal. I couldn't believe oh. it. I, I, <laughs> uh, so yes, um, I, I've, I would only imagine that's probably quite rude. So um, yeah, yeah it, it, not even probably. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? It might be a very pleasant way of greeting people in China. I'll, I'll try and experiment with that next time. Just spitting on people. Research. Yes, I will do. <laughs> but um, all right. yeah, Lorato, thank you so much for, for, for taking the time to chat. Um, I, uh, I won't keep you for, for too much platform. longer. And um, yeah, good luck with everything. Uh, I'm very excited to see kind of the media mogul in work. Uh, I'll be following. <laughs> uh, I'll be following very closely. And um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. It was lovely catching up and all the best for your, for your future endeavors. And um, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's been great catching up and, and chatting to you a bit more. Thanks so much, Peter. And yeah, I guess I'll see you on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll be sending you that bottle of wine. It's delicious. It's called Upland yeah. Wineries. Um, so, so I'll send you, I'll send you a I'll bottle of wine. I'll look out for it. Cool. All right, Lorato. All right, bye. bye. bye now. <laughs>